This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Friday, 20th of January, 2023. We have equity markets still in a pretty uh, ugly state here. Further sell-off in the U.S. and uh, especially in Europe. Uh, maybe some of that down to the hawkish talk by the ECB yesterday, at least one of the uh, well-known hawks, Klaas uh, Knott, out saying he's in favor of multiple 50 basis point hikes. I think some of the session yesterday was a catch-up with the very weak session the prior day in the U.S., but you can see on our equity theme basket overview on slide two that the um, sort of higher beta uh, uh, sectors of the market were doing far worse uh, yesterday than seemed to be the case the prior day. So the mega caps are only down a little bit, and that's, the, of course, the, the center of gravity for the market but the high beta stuff having a really ugly time of it. And if that's any kind of leading indicator, then the market still is pretty weak. Um, where do we go next? We're sort of buried mid-range here in terms of that uh, rally off of the uh, late December lows. Arguably, the first little uh, t- uh, box to tick if you're a bear will be a breakdown below the 21-day moving average. That's the green line. It's been a pretty solid uh, trending indicator if you wait for the second close uh, below or above that level. And the 61.8 retracement of this rally is around 38.83 on the uh, March future. A bigger breakdown would come on uh, that trend line you can draw from the lows back in October. And then, of course, the pivot lows just below 3,800. So uh, a pretty weak session, uh, to say the least. Uh, we get uh, the data going this way and then going that way the, from day to day. We had the, the week data uh, the, the earlier this week with a very weak retail sales and empire, almost disastrous empire manufacturing number. We get a slightly better but still negative Philly Fed uh, survey yesterday. And then we get a um, and then we get a jobless claims print, this weekly one, just dropping uh, once again down to 190K and matches the, basically the lowest levels uh, lowest level on a single weekly print since uh, way back, I believe it was in May of, of last year, and the moving average also matching assem- essentially the low. Often we take the four-week moving average, and it's uh, ma- matching the low more or less uh, since back in that time frame as well. So we're not seeing in that high-frequency indicator any sign of weakness in the jobs market uh, just yet. In terms of uh, what this meant, uh, follow-through across markets, we saw the U.S. Uh, yields rebounding on that stronger data, that 3.4% level in the 10-year still in play. It broke below, but now it's sort of trading around there. Obviously, with higher yields, that doesn't work in the yen's favor. So that huge uh, sort of reversal and sudden strength in the yen after the Bank of Japan meeting back and forth uh, was kind of halted. So we're just sort of stuck here, I think, uh, FX-wise. One of the interesting pairs I've pulled up on slide three is is cable. So starting versus the dollar and whether we have a, a double top scenario I'm having a hard time conjuring up a, a reason for a massive further advance uh, for sterling here versus the dollar. Uh, also out of the UK this morning, we got some fresh uh, uh, data. UK retail sales down 6.1%, worse than expected. And those are volume terms. Uh, and that's a year-on-year data point, X auto fuel, but a very weak data point and shows that um, those higher prices are meeting less consumption in uh, volume terms. And then overnight, we got a consumer confidence number out of the UK that was actually worsening to minus 45 versus the prior minus four uh, versus the uh, minus 40 expected, the minus 42 uh, the prior month. So uh, confidence is still in the dumps. I think there were a couple of prints below that in prior months uh, back late last year, but not a, a great sign here. Uh, looking over at commodity markets, uh, Ula, we have gold. Just It just seems to take whatever the market's throwing at it. It just seems to stay uh, quite elevated. A really remarkable run when you look at the lack of consolidation there. But what else are you seeing uh, in, in your space in the commodities market here? 
Well, uh, let's talk about gold just uh, for a brief second, because uh, what's interesting to note uh, during the past uh, uh, few hours here is that, uh, or since yesterday, basically, that uh, even though, we, as you mentioned, John, uh, bond yields are ticking a bit higher, there's actually quite a, lit, quite a bit going on, to, uh, going on. If you look under the hood, uh, we've got the uh, real yields down 10 basis points. We've got break-even yields up 11 basis points. And uh, that softness in real yields, uh, together with, with uh, the dollar near a cycle low, I believe it's almost the lowest in what nine months uh i think if you look at some of the broader uh broader currency indices uh that's obviously driving the uh, or providing the underlying underlying support not seeing any pickup in the etf demand as we've been highlighting so basically showing that long-term investors not really getting involved at this point that's uh, potentially could be the next move up uh or it could be uh it could be something that eventually triggers some some profit taken from from recently established longs but the uh, momentum is there and uh as long as the yields and the dollar behaves then obviously there's not any major reason for for taking your chips off the table so to say looking at the commodity space in general on uh, slide four on the uh, the, the uh, update there the the gains we're seeing is really being led by the industrial metals still high-grade copper is uh, is having a sterling start to the year and not only are we focusing on the increased demand coming out of China uh, following the Lunar New Year holiday, which starts next week, but we're also having some disruptions in Peru, uh, which potentially could, uh, which potentially at this moment in time impacting two uh, two percent of global output. That's obviously not something the market needs at a time where demand is picking up and where inventory levels are already at uh, very low levels. So that's underpinning prices there. At the same time, we also have the refined product sector uh, in the energy space doing very well gas oil in in europe which is diesel gasoline in the us and uh, also diesel in the us and and part of that is basically explained by by if you look at slide 5 the pickup in gasoline and and diesel prices there to uh, a two months high we we seen that uh, recently while oil is still strong a little bit getting uh, getting higher than uh, gasoline and diesel moving up and that's uh, two things first of all we had the cold blast at the end of december in the us uh, refineries uh, had to shut down some of them are still not uh, online and you can see that in the top right corner how refinery demand uh, slumped by 2 million barrels a day uh, from one day to the next almost and uh, that is still um, reducing inventory levels and it's also um, underpinning prices and at the same time we've got the russian embargo uh, or the eu embargo on russian uh, fuel products uh, starting february 5th also starting to uh, have an impact so keep an eye on the product market basically looks like that's the main engine for for the rising uh, crude oil prices we're seeing right now isn't it hard to prevent that Russian oil from creeping into the mix? However, I saw some news story about uh, Singapore. I don't know if it was refiners or re-exporters or whatever, but mixing in Russian crude, and then you're getting these huge margin. Um, so you mix in the, the oil to your own mix, and you refine it and push it back out to the world, and, and the world is none the wiser what the origin of this this crude oil was. So it's actually rewarding those refiners out there that are able to to source the cheaper Russian crude. Indeed, John, uh, and that's on the crude side, uh, as you mentioned. So crude is probably easier to get to market uh, because it's 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 uh, yeah, there's some big big uh, takers of crude oil, especially because refinery refinery margins are are as strong as they are. 
because we have to remember that Russia is currently selling its crude at uh, sometimes at half price. That basically means if you are a refinery in uh, in in China or in India or elsewhere uh, where you've got refinery excess capacity, then obviously you are creating a massive uh, return from from buying very cheap Russian crude. The problem with products is is really the, that that Russian product export has really been uh, mostly towards Europe, and as we uh, we cut uh, supplies uh, from Russia, then obviously we'll have to sell their own product refined products somewhere else uh, let's take diesel as an example if you are if you are exporting a million barrels of diesel a day and suddenly uh, your buyer won't have won't take it you can do uh, you can look for someone else to buy a diesel but why should the chinese buy diesel from russia when they can refine it refine their cheap oil and make a, and create and have a great income that way that basically means that if russia can't sell its diesel it'll have to reduce its crude oil output because for every barrel of crude you only produce half a barrel of diesel so a million barrel of diesel quickly equates to two million barrels of crude oil that that has to be uh potentially could be locked in so so that's why from a global balance perspective the merrimot's focusing on the uh on on the russia's ability to continue to export its products when uh, when uh, that embargo starts next month all right interesting stuff in uh, earnings news so we highlighted a couple of uh, interesting companies yesterday netflix uh, reporting after the close yesterday, they reported better than expected subscriber growth. I think it, it was 7.66 million versus the plus four and a half expected. Um, that is still down, however, uh, some, I think it was seven and a half percent year on year. So growth uh, in the context of from the, the recent lows. Uh, I did note in the breakdown of the geographies, there was a crazy a number for Latin American in terms of the growth percentage year on year. So interesting if they can open up that market. There's a lot of people who live in Latin America. And uh, then there was uh, Procter & Gamble, also an interesting story, sort of reflecting what you're seeing in the UK. So they see, but also even worse so because their volumes uh, are down considerably and their actual top line revenue is down minus 0.9%. Keep in mind when we have inflation uh, running at 6 7% and you have their price markups going on to sort of track inflation to a degree, it's pretty remarkable to see that revenue decline, meaning of course that those volumes are coming in lower. Uh, they did, however, uh, project that their volume on the volume guidance, it was slightly better than expected to basically flat to very, very slightly below flat uh, for the coming year. But the, the market not liking this report and took uh, Procter & Gamble shares down around 2.7%. That's the first time, by the way, you saw year on year a revenue growth top line since 2017. Uh, so interesting data there. And in the terms of the earnings watch today, you can see the last little overview there for uh, today's earnings. Uh, Sandvik, an interesting Swedish company, involved in basically, uh, to my understanding, the working workmanship and the machinery and the tooling around mining equipment. So it's experienced quite a revival off the uh, lows from last year. Uh, looked like they have very good 2022 growth. Uh, the forward growth projections don't look stellar, but let's have a, have a look at what their guidance is. It's obviously a very interesting area if we're looking to see, uh, for example, uh, I believe it was in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, where they discovered uh, potential rare earth minerals uh, deposits uh, as countries continue to look to diversify supply chains and avoid excess reliance on on single uh, sources of, of various materials, uh, lithium, rare earth minerals, and others. This could be uh, something that rewards a company like Sandvik. So an interesting story there. And then the largest U.S. Uh, oil services, oil field services company, Schlumberger, reporting today as well. Very little to report on the calendar today. We have uh, Canadian uh, Canada's November retail sales. Fed's Harker, I think he seems to 
to want to speak at every turn. We've heard enough from him. We know he's slightly uh, on the dovish end of the Fed speakers. Uh, interesting to know Vice Chair Brainerd outspeaking just you know to to highlight once again the market's persistence in pricing the Fed to uh, begin rolling over uh, with their uh, rates uh, by the end of this year after perhaps clinging to the idea that the Fed will indeed follow through with two more 25 basis point moves. She still says, even though she's essentially the the most prominent dove on the uh, FOMC, that she sees rates at slightly above 5% at the end of this year. And the market's been aggressively marking the Fed lower and lower for, for next year, especially. So there's, there's a conflict there in terms of market expectations, which has Fed funds rate below 3% somewhere in early 2025. And what the Fed itself uh, is saying at least certainly for for this year and possibly into early next year. I put up the uh, calendar events uh, for next week on slide seven as well. So have a look at those. The key ones are a couple of CPI data points uh, for the Antipodes, uh, New Zealand and Australia on Wednesday. And we have the uh, U.S. Uh, first estimate of Q4 GDP on Thursday and that PC inflation data point on Friday. These inflation data points at the moment, especially for something back in December on the PCE side, I think getting a little bit less focus uh, for now until we something see a change in direction uh, from here. I think the, the last uh, round of P, uh, CPI data release from the U.S. seemed to prove that out. It's more about uh, w- which way is the economy headed, are earnings heating up, and there's, is there something reheating would be the uh, surprise side, I think, on inflation. And then on the, the negative side in terms of the impact on Fed policy, it's more about, uh, we, we believe, uh, signs of more slackening in the labor market. All right. That is a wrap for today. Markets are sort of in a muddled mood. Uh, the clearest signal at the moment seems to be the equity market, which is correcting a bit lower. Let's see if it falls through lower still. We have Asia offline for the entirety of next week, at least in terms of China. A number of other Asian countries also with extensive holidays and a very long weekend here. So things may get a bit quiet next week, but we'll see. Uh, certainly not on the earnings front as we have the, the big mega caps uh, reporting next week. We'll have that calendar up for you on Monday. And hopefully if uh, Peter hasn't broken a leg uh, skiing on the slopes of in, in Norway, uh, he'll be back on Monday to help guide us through that. So stay tuned for that. Have a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back next week with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.